Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of the sixth season of the Plebs on Footy podcast. I'm your host, Rory O'Kane, and as always, I'm joined by Scott Fotheringham. Hello, Banjo. I have a big bone I need to pick with you off the top for this podcast. I'm still Ooh. upset. It's two weeks later, and Are I'm still corrected. I'm still furious with you that you didn't put up my theme music, which I slaved away on to give a, some a theme music for your segment, your, your Do You Believe segment. I put in hours of work for the best work I've ever done for the podcast, and you were too lazy to even put it in. How ridiculous would our podcast have sounded last week, thanks to you? Well, so you got it right the first time. But let's put this in some context. We had to just restart the podcast for the first time ever because of you. Normally, it's me who's (laughs) fucking things up and we have to restart. But you started playing music in the middle of recording. So we had to start it all over again. And you got it wrong the first time. You said it was last week. But it was two weeks ago that I did it. But then you fucked it up on this one, on the second go around as well. And then... You even ruined us again by the you. We weren't able to do a podcast last week because of you as well. So you're the one yeah, who's just letting true. us down. I put in an incredible effort into that. How good was my uh, theme music for the uh, for the segment? That I, I honestly yeah. don't remember what it was. It was just "Do You Believe," wasn't it? Yeah, but it was hilarious, Banjo. We have to do that segment again now because I put in so much effort for that. That's it's going to become weekly from now on. Look, Banjo. it was also just a great segment. So of course we're going to do it again. Don't, don't act like uh, the only reason we do it again is because you bloody decided to do some work. You put in an average segment idea of do you an believe in teams. It was a terrible yeah. idea. And I made it good by my good theme music and you didn't even bother to put it in. I, I'm I, I'm very unhappy with you. Look, it may have been an average segment idea by anyone else's standards, but by our standards, that was an excellent segment idea. It's not our strong suit coming up with ideas at all. <laughs> and that was perfectly mediocre. We've got some other segments here that you can just tell that we've mailed them in. So don't you dare besmirch, do you believe? I st- I still made it good and you ruined it. But anyway, so I haven't been able to speak to, well, we did do some commentary the other day. But aside from that, I haven't been able to speak to you for about a week. What have you been up to that was more important than our podcast last week? Yeah, for the first time in my life, uh, work got in the way of something. Um it's a work. weird experience. You working. Yeah, work, yeah. Wow. I was away in Sydney for a conference. Ah. It was fun. It did a lot of conferencing. Um, a lot of frothy. Because <laughs> I didn't do it anywhere near as much as you. You've, you've, you're the one with the big news. You've, well, uh, yeah. You're I, no I, longer pure. I do, yes. I do have some exciting news. I did uh, tease off. Was it our first podcast of the year in which I mentioned, I think? Or I maybe have the absolutely one? no recollection. Uh, that I had intentions to go ahead and get a premiership tattoo. And I have done it, Banjo. I got it on Saturday. I've been applying my tattoo balm uh, just before because uh, it's getting a little bit aggravated. Um, but, yes, first, two I've e- first tattoo I've ever got. And it's a beautiful sight, Banjo. We'll it's be putting the, a photo up on the uh, Facebook page. Absolutely, we will be, buddy. It's a it's the demons trident with a sort of a twenty twenty one, and then we've got the Q three for quarter three, and then forty seven thirty and fifteen for the uh, three goals that the D's kicked within uh, an incredible thirty two seconds to uh, to wrap up the premiership at the end of the third quarter. So it was. It, it, it's a beautiful looking thing. I went to, went to a tattoo parlor across the road from Revs. Um, so that's, uh, <laughs> I'm sure that, so they had lots of good stories for me and, uh, it was, it was good fun. And, uh, yes, it's now inscribed on me for life. I hear that it, it won't go away is what I've heard about no. tattoos. Have you been dumped yet? 
No, Kim was all for it. She was oh, quite really? supportive of it, to be honest yeah. with you. Weirdly so. She, every time I mention it, she's like, oh, yeah, go do it. <laughs> She's so, always been a bit more of a go-getter than you have, I guess. <laughs> Has she now? Uh, but yes, we will get a photo up on our socials about it. And uh, oh, it's great! You, you, what's your review? You've seen it? Did you like it? Yeah, it looked uh, it looked better than I thought. Um, obviously, it's kind of odd talking about such a visual thing as a tattoo on a podcast. But go have a look, people. It'll be on our Facebook page, and it looks pretty good, I would say. Thank you for the good review, Banjo. Although in so, saying that, I probably am not the best judge of what looks good. <laughs> well, look, there are our little uh, catch-up things that are important to talk about off the top, but we've now got our, our segments to do, and I'm taking uh, the first one in that a very – oh, no, you're taking the first one, aren't you? No, never mind. You go. You're just stealing my job. I'm the host. I dictate where we go, not you. Okay. We're starting off with the uh, best news of the year. Melbourne lost the grand final. <laughs> At least we made the grand final, mate. Uh, if you're not first, you're last, Scott. Look, yeah. So obviously, it's a it's a disappointment that we weren't able to get up and get the premiership on the the weekend. The the more important, the uh, AFLW premiership. At all. Well, probably the most disappointing aspect of it for me, Banjo, is it means this year I'm going to have to settle for another boring single premiership. We mm. we had one last year. They're getting a bit stale. I was quite excited about the idea of having a double premiership. Melbourne um, has become stagnant as a football club, only winning one. You were supposed to improve this year, but you just didn't. Exactly. There, there's no way of going up from here. I'm just going to have to settle for another, yeah, boring, stale, just you've just got a bit used to it, these single premierships. Mm. So I was quite quite devastated about that, but... It was, a, it was a good season uh, for the girls, a very good season. And basically, when it comes down to it, um, Adelaide are just ridiculously overpowered. <laughs> yeah, I think expansion needs to hit Adelaide. There needs to be a port side in. South Australia has too much talent for it only to be in one side. There's, what, six Melbourne sides already. There's two, the, two in Queensland, for goodness sake, two in Perth. Only one in Sydney, but they can't even really make a competitive single team and they're about to get a second. So they absolutely need to be split up. They've won three out of the five. They would it would have been three of six. They wouldn't have won the year that it was cancelled. But it's just yeah, part of it is being really well run, but it's more than that. It's kind of like whenever Sydney win a flag, you look at it and go, eh, you've had a leg up. <laughs> no, well, I mean, look, firstly, credit to them. They're, they're very good uh, football uh, department, which they've set up for their women's program, and they yeah. deserve all the success that they've had. And they've got the greatest women's but player of all time, too. That helps. But when... No, second best. Oh, no pushback. Oh, that was just snuck in under the radar. It helps that they have one of the best <laughs> there has been in Aaron Phillips, yeah, who is very, very good. Um, but obviously, yes, just having a, a an amateur system or a semi-amateur system, um, semi-professional might be the better way of putting that, uh, yes. the ability to travel women uh, interstate in order to uh, establish them with different uh, different states and teams with different states obviously isn't easy. So, mm. yes, the fact that there has been one team in Adelaide means that they've basically just had the pick of the bunch. But there is a bit of a poaching starting to go on in the uh, AFL W world. The, the main rumour is that Aaron Phillips will be going to Port Adelaide. That yeah. seems to be... Almost accepted, I would say. Is that is that I mean, a definite thing? From he's what got you've a family reading? connection to Port, I think. Yeah, where that comes from. So I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, she's done all she can do at Adelaide. 
I mean, I can't imagine she's got many more like things on the bucket list she wants to accomplish that she hasn't already done before. And then so going to the family, her family's club, and being able to start a new side again, sort of. Yeah, and not, yeah, they're, they're talking that, that she'll probably have some sort of a coaching role as well, mm. there, which she'll sort of build into. She her sort of, well, so. She's getting up there in age a little bit in terms of the career span. Oh, she's, she's 35, isn't she? Yeah. She's quite old, yeah. I mean, we're talking about Daisy Pearce and whether she'll go on, which she should, considering she was all Australian. Um, but she, what's she, 32 or something like that? So Erin yeah. is quite, quite a, is a fair bit older and there's every chance Daisy does retire. I, I was probably of the view she would retire if, if we won, but if we lost, she might mm. go on. And I hope she does because I very much enjoy watching her and she is the greatest female uh, footballer ever and we'll go down in history as that. Um, it's just not close. <laughs> well, I, it's ridiculous that you're giving me shit about women's footy, Banjo, when your team buddy got bunt, got smashed in the first final. I don't know what you're talking about. I do want to talk a little bit about the sort of player movement. As you sort of, we started on this conversation before, but Chris Barkas has just agreed to go to Essendon. It seems mm. like they've put together pretty a pretty impressive package. The rumour she's on about 150 grand to move over, which yeah, is okay. professional money. Um, there's the, is it Isabel Huntington? I can't remember. Yes, the there, there yeah. is an Isabel Huntington, yes. Yeah, from the dogs <laughs> has gone to GWS. Yep. Um, we did like a massive move and she's gone mostly for work, I think it seems like. She thinks she's got mm-hmm. better opportunities up yeah, in okay, Sydney. Yeah. So I don't know, just... They need to get professional so the decisions are only about the football club because, I don't know, it's just such an uneven playing field until they get there. But again, can they can they actually afford to do that? I don't know. It's not my area of expertise, but it's just going to be a weird environment to look at because you can't really begrudge anyone moving if their life gets changed over it in the way you can an AFL player. Well, it's, look, it's it's an interesting time for those clubs to be sort of trying to poach mm. players away because obviously there's obviously the benefit of them wanting to have a good team, but yeah. there's also about you know establishing their face as a club and being mm. able to say yes, we've got Prasparkas as that face of the club is going to make a, a really big difference for them to be yeah. able to um, yeah sort of have some influence and to get some support in uh, yeah sort of immediately for Essendon there. So that's that's a good coup for them. The the other thing to discuss with the Dubs is. Got to say, been a little bit disappointing with the crowds over the final series. Yes, right? yes, it's crowds have been down in pretty much every sport for since the pandemic, but not to the extent. I think there was a seventy percent drop off between the last grand final held in Adelaide and this mm. one, from fifty three to about sixteen. Yeah, that's the only. Yeah, uh, they it was uh, also it's... during community footy. Uh, there's a whole raft of excuses, but. None of that should equate to a 70% drop-off. There was only 6,000 at the prelim in Melbourne as well. So it's not an Adelaide thing yeah. or anything. I I don't know. It's just a bit disappointing. I, I hope it's not that the enthusiasm's gone, but I don't know. I feel like I'm quite invested in AFLW and it's just sort of not something you want to see. Yeah, well, that look that that's two weeks in a row in which I've found myself very disappointed with, mm. the, with the crowds. Um, and interestingly, like... In the media, and I, I perfectly understand this, and we probably do it as well, is that 
there's a tendency to be over positive when talking about the AFLW yeah. and not talking about these problems as much. And the last two weeks, I think in the build up to the prelim at the G, which was amazing that that happened, that was mm. really cool. Um, but they were talking about, look, we hope to get around sort of 20,000 there. And that was all this big excitement about it. And then they had 6,000. Yeah. And no one really mentioned the fact that there were only 6,000. No. And then it was the same thing. In saying that the season over, they were talking about 75,000, they got 50-odd thousand, and that didn't really come up either. Yeah, well, that's true. But I do feel like a step down from twenty to 6,000 is, in the grand yeah, scheme of things, a bigger yeah. drop. And, and it was the same for the, yeah, as you mentioned, for the grand final as well. All the talk was 40,000. That's all I heard. Mm. There's going to there's gonna be 40,000 there. Um, and they had, what was it, 16? Is that how mm. much it was? Yeah. Yeah, about Which that. Is, yeah, for a grand final, that's that's really disappointing. And they now, um, I mean, look, the next season's going to be upon us. We'll blink, and it'll be the next season because yeah, it's, it's going to be in like what four months, five months, August. Yeah, I don't think that it, it. I don't think that's officially been announced that it's going to be starting in August, but just everyone knows that that's going to be yeah, the case. They do this every year with the AFLW. They just withhold the information for as long yeah. as possible, which seems unfair to the players, given how sort of much they have to change their lives around what's going on with their, the actual schedule and everything. But they have to get leave and stuff from their jobs. Yeah, exactly. That sort like, of stuff. That, some of them have to take like six months unpaid. I don't know. I but just, do, you, do you like that in general, the August season schedule sort of starting off overlapping over the men's and obviously having some uh, extra slots for football because they'll only be finals for at least a month there. So there'll be some slots for them and then to continue post that. Do you like that as a... As an I idea, think I do actually. I I think having the finals start during the early part of the AFL men's season, when that is when the like attention is most on football, that and finals, like the start is everyone gets excited, everyone sort of spends way too much time on football, and it just overshadows the women's a bit. So, and towards the back end of the year, like. North Melbourne, I'll be so excited when the girls start this year because I know the men's season is going to be written off already. So there'll be 10 clubs at least who would be absolutely stoked to have something else to think about other than how miserable their own uh, men's clubs are. Yeah, that that's true. I hadn't thought of that aspect to it, obviously, because I see it from a winner's perspective. Yeah, um, you've never <laughs> been miserable in July about your football team. But I look, I've probably been. Yeah, I've been thinking along the lines of I do have some concerns about what it's going to be like comparing mm. men's finals football to flicking over to watch a women's game, and it's yeah, a very true. different type of sport. Um, and I do have some concerns about the comparisons which people will inevitably draw, um, between the two. Um. And in that sense, having the women as standalone is almost a good thing in one sense. But yeah. that, that, that's a good point to make. But for the teams who haven't made finals, uh, they might be quite excited about the opportunity to have a, a competitive team um, mm. who might be a chance to win a premiership just sort of starting up at the end of the year. Um, but look, I, I can see the theory in it. I can see the logic behind it. Um, and hopefully it is successful because we're, we're both very heavily on board the AFLW going well. Um We've probably been some of the biggest supporters uh, around for the for the AFL dubs just to pat us on the back. Mm. Um, but yeah, hopefully it is successful. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, I do think inevitably it's going to align a lot more closely with the men's season just because it's the best time to play the sport. And eventually they're going to not be able to play during summer. It, they want to have yeah. the full-length season because you can't play over the exact peak of summer it was a disaster this year yeah january game so 
Yeah. Maybe in the long run they start a month later and end a month later, so they do have clear air at the end of it. Yeah. But I think it's inevitable. It's just got to align. Mm. Yeah. Well, mm. the AFL will hopefully at one point get. Well, not hopefully, I suppose, but they will get their their cycle three hundred and sixty five days a year of football, mm. and uh, one of that can be well, probably about ten of those weeks can be filled out by uh, by AFLW football. So that's the sort of path that's going down. Just let me enjoy cricket. At the same time, AFL. I can nah, enjoy nah. more than one thing at once. <laughs> All about footy, Banjo. Uh, it's now time for uh, what is written down as being my segment. Well, it was my idea for a segment, although you're already doing your idea, heavy lifting, uh, <laughs> because it's me putting things to you, Banjo. Uh, something which I've found quite a lot of joy from you over the, the last period is that you seem to have a knack for picking out really obscure player comparisons. And by that, we mean that... You know, when, when players get drafted, we often get that plays like this sort of player thing that comes out, and that's just kind of become a bit of a ridiculous thing in the media. But you <laughs> seem to take it to another extreme in which you try to predict what their career is going to be like from a quality perspective whilst putting some ridiculously obscure um, disclaimer on it is what yep. you love to do. And obviously the classic which we've talked about in the past is your uh, Taron Thomas call that you believe that the worst possible career he could have would be either Sean Burgoyne without the longevity or Adam Goods Goods without his uh, two Brownlow seasons, which I think is one of the most ridiculously obscure things I've ever heard, and I can't even make any sense of it. Yeah, I'm going to beat that. (laughs) I've decided, Banjo, to put together just, just five players, sort of mostly pretty young players, Mm-hmm. Um, which I want to put to you to see what sort of a comparison you can put forward to what their careers will turn out to be. Now, I will say the first one we the first one we have discussed off air because you mentioned it during our commentary on Hijack mm-hmm. TV uh, during a commentary a couple of weeks ago, but I did quite enjoy it. So I'll put this one to you, Banjo. Josh Walker from North Melbourne. What sort of player is he? Yeah, this is a very easy one because I've obviously watched an absolute shitload of him recently. Uh, he's Levi Casbolt if he played defence. The similarities are just striking. Both are incredibly good marks, very smart footballs, great body work. Neither can move side to side and neither can kick the ball. It's just it's perfect. I, look, I do very much enjoy that one because as a football fan, you immediately know what you were saying. And as someone who's ever watched Josh Walker play, I immediately know what you're saying. When he takes a clunk, you think, geez, he's an absolute gun. But then, yes, the way he moves around, the way he kicks and all of his uh, short falls are all pretty classic as well. So that's a good one, Badger. Now, the other ones, I don't know what you're going with. So mm-hmm. these are going to be surprises to me. Yeah. Starting off with uh, one of my boys, uh, a bit of an interesting sort of footballer. He is quite unique. So I think it's going to be difficult for you. Luke Dogger-Jackson, Banjo. What sort of career do you think he's going to have? Yeah, so I've been thinking about this a long time. Um, he is quite a unique player, and you talk about him way too much. It's very frustrating. He's pretty but, good. Uh, yeah, not turning <laughs> out uh, how I'd hoped. But um, there is a clear comparison. Uh, it's very obvious to pretty much anyone that watches football what what he is, and it's uh, Tim English with better PR. 
Oh, how dare you? Better PR. Is that what you're neither saying? Neither, neither has uh, the body for real ruck work. They're all just uh, occasionally jump over the top of somebody and do a few flashy things around the ground. That's all either player is. And uh, you've just got goggles on when it comes to him. And, uh, yeah, that's all it is. Tim English with better PR. Flashy things around the ground. Dogger's best work is in the contest. He's... He's yeah, it's, it's around the ground. His tap work has improved exponentially year on year. It is getting it's getting to the point he's very good. It, it is honestly we're not too far off feeling as comfortable with him rucking as Maxwell Gorn rucking at the moment. He is very good in the ruck, and the way he follows up at ground level is incredible. And then he's also very good around the ground. How dare you compare him to Tim English? It's only because he only has to do it for about twenty percent of a game. You're just trolling me there, Banjo. I'm not happy with that one at all. I understood in the early day, in his first season, when Doggo got beaten in the ruck a few times for you to throw that ridiculous comparison out there. But he's he's pretty, he's pretty close to an elite ruckman already. He's I love star. how I've genuinely got you choking on your words. You're so angry at me. <laughs> I'm always angry at you, Banjo. Next one. Now, I've got – these are some of your boys we've got now who I know that you're in love with, younger players. Zach mm-hmm. Butters. I know he's one of your boys. I do and love What Zach sort of Butters. career will he end up get, having? Uh, so we're going again. Big caveat to begin with, without the longevity or unlikely the longevity, especially because of the way he plays. Uh, but it's Brent Harvey with ADHD. What what's the what's the ADHD aspect? Yeah, Washington play is just so frenetic. Brent Harvey was very controlled, and Zach Butters is about the exact opposite. A lot a lot of similarities between them outside of that. So so obviously, when when I think of Brent Harvey, the first thing I think of is his longevity. So yeah, I have to take that out of my watching. mind. Yeah. What are the other comparisons? <laughs> How is he similar He's to Brennan? Fantastically creative football, can rack it up on the high half forward flank, can play in the midfield, and yeah, just a very good, devastating offensive midfielder. He's Except, small. Yeah. That's Did the you... other. Why is small not the first thing you think of with Brennan? Well, yeah, they're probably the two things. So he's 50% of what I think of when I think of Brennan Harvey. Yeah. I suppose and that's it's... something to him. Did you, speaking of um, him having a, a ADHD, did you see him giving the free kick away at halftime in the uh, the Melbourne Port Adelaide? Yeah, no, really disappointed because it sounds hilarious, but I was on a plane. Uh, it, it, it was hilarious. So Port Adelaide hadn't kicked a goal to this point, and it's at halftime. Finally, Todd Marshall has a shot on goal. Look, it wasn't an easy one. He was kicking from 50 mm. out on a 45-degree angle. But there was all like the commentators talking up, being like, can they finally get a goal on the board before halftime? <laughs> and Butters decides to just throw uh, Bowie to the ground uh, in the goal square, and there's a reversal of the free kick. So that does stand up for your uh, ADHD. Yeah, exactly. Program, Concentrate on the game, Zach. Don't be worried about the... Uh... Little Melbourne defender next year. Okay, who's next? Next, we've got a boy who we talked about a fair bit during our Hijack TV commentary uh, yesterday, Banjo, and another mm-hmm. one of your boys, uh, Will Day, the uh, young player from Hawthorne. Who did, what comparison do you have for him? Uh, we skipped it because... Oh, I... no, you could... I'm <laughs> <laughs> having a stinker today. Cody Waitman was who we put in place for Will Day because you couldn't but think of a good one for I Will Day. I feel like we should say why I didn't do Will Day. It's because in the end, all I could think of was Action Man when I looked at him and that was not a good... Why Action, action man? man for looks? Is that... Yeah, just... Yeah, watching okay. him and watching him move, he's quite robotic. And yeah, okay, I know, sort okay, of okay. I know what you're saying, but it's not a, it's not a funny. No, one. all right, Cody Waitman. Uh, Paul Medhurst, if he spent too much time in the sun. 
How does Paul Medhurst come to mind at all when you're thinking about AFL football? He's just like a small four that played a bit bigger than he should. They're very similar players, I reckon. Do you reckon Waitman's a bit more talented than Medhurst was? Medhurst is a good good player. player. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. You're underrating Medhurst. Been a 15 years since he retired or something. So what's the same thing? Was was Medhurst pale? Is that... Yeah. No, no. He was uh, sort of dark brown hair. You... Bleach blonde hair. Okay, so they bleached his hair. Oh, Scott, you're really not selling me here. That was a good <laughs> That's one. That's not you. Now, look, I enjoyed the the first couple were quite amusing. Uh, that one's not your best one, I don't think. So it's no, basically strong. He's a talented small forward with blonde hair. They stylistically they play quite similarly too. Yeah. Okay. All right. Your last one. Bring, bring it home, strong banjo. This is another difficult one to pick, I think, because it's. Very hard to judge what sort of career he's going to have, but Cam Rayner, what do no, you think he's is, going to This end up is easy. Doing? It's not too dissimilar from what we were talking about when he was drafted. It's Dustin Martin, but with a collapsed lung. <laughs> with a collapsed lung. Okay, so he can't. He has no fitness, no ability to build endurance. No. Yeah, and okay. he had that coming into the league, and we thought he'd work on it and improve, and he just hasn't. And at this point, it's almost time to give up on it. I know he had the big knee injury, but. He just doesn't get around the ground. He doesn't. He seems almost allergic to the football. So what you're saying is that if uh, Dustin Martin played out his whole career with a collapsed lung, he would end up having the same quality career that you believe Cam Rain is going to have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Look, I don't know how much that's being nice to Dusty and how much it's being horrible to Rainer. It's probably a little bit of both. But I, I do understand where you're coming from. So I'll give that one a tick. You, look, overall, I'm going to give you, yeah, four ticks and, and one cross. Your Waitman one wasn't your best. No. I reckon I reckon my Butters one was worse, but that's okay. <laughs> if you give All it a right. tick, that's fine. Moving on to our next segment, and I, I'm doubling down here on the segment yes. for the way that it all worked out, so I'm going back to back. I decided I wanted to have a good chat to you, Banjo, about uh, what we both love more than anything in the game, and that's ruck work. That's true. And to, uh, yeah, to touch base on the uh, current landscape of ruck work. And there, look, there's a few things which have been going on in the in the, the rucking mm-hmm. world over the last year or two, but I have no question that the biggest and most interesting one is the Premiership team has two extremely good ruckmen um, and that basically won them a Premiership. So at the moment, the big discussion... Unbelievable was, rewriting of history here. Whatever. Unbelievable. Do you, you saying you came up with the two ruckman idea? I didn't that say we came up. We didn't come up with the concept of having two ruckmen, but we have no, made it a successful like. thing. Not even the you're not even the first club in the last couple of years to do it well. St Kilda win every game. They've got both Ryder and Marshall playing. They do make a big difference when the two of them are in. I'll give you that. But no, but the point I'm making, Banjo, is that it's a copycat league. So the fact that there are two Ruckman uh, working well in tandem together and, mm-hmm. and won a premiership, um, does that mean that every team should be going out there and trying to scout a second Ruckman and that's the way that you need to play in modern football? Honestly, no, because it's yep. very rare that a side has two Ruckman good enough for it. I mean... Yep. Look, judging from my own experience, Todd Goldstein, great ruckman over the journey, does look a little lost as a forward. And we've again, he's yep. old, so it's about getting the young ruckman in at the same time. So it's a little more, um, little more than just copying Melbourne in the reasoning. But guys, like I don't think the uh, Brisbane 
system with Fort and McInerney adds anything particular to, to that side, do you? Well, sorry, what like, was that? <laughs> <laughs> Bruce, you are Brisbane, doing so well. You say Brisbane. Bruce, McInerney and Darcy Ford. I mean, Hipwood's uh, going to come in and take Fort's spot immediately. They're going to go back to Danaher as their backup ruck, and they're not going to lose anything. In fact, they'll gain. No, nah, look, what, what what it comes down to realistically is that, and I know you're going to laugh at this, but it can work when you've got two very special Ruckman and two very different Ruckman and two quite unique Ruckman. Like, yeah, look at the size of your head. As far as quality goes, like it's quite extraordinary that we've got two players of that ability. Mm. And then the fact that they are very, very different in the way that they ruck and the fact yeah. that both are quite good forwards at the same time, that is finding one player like that is hard enough, let alone finding two. So Melbourne have managed to make, look, what, what we have learned is that if you've got two players who are good enough, having two Ruckman can work, but it doesn't in any way suggest that you have to have two Ruckman in there. And we've seen way too many examples of having two big log Ruckman um, who can't play forward and therefore they both end up looking like very average footballers, where mm. if you just had one in there, there would be one who's looking like a good footballer. Yeah, you know what definitely doesn't work? Three Ruckman. North tried that round one, disaster. We know that much. And look, the other aspect to it is that on the other end, the team who lost the grand final have been absolutely taking the piss with their Ruckman over the last few years, in which Beveridge has never given any credit to the artwork that is Ruck work and how important that is. And that did legitimately end up costing them a premiership when Tim English was shat on by our second Ruckman. To be fair, Tim English is about... He's probably the second best player in the league to be a backup Ruckman slash forward. Yes, but he's playing as a number one Ruckman. Yeah, and their the second Ruckman yeah. is bloody Mitch Hannon. Yeah. When they brought in Steph Martin, like they just brought him in too late and too old. They need to get an actual prime Ruckman and allocate some resources to doing that to actually allow Tim English to do he Tim English fills gaps really well. He's fantastic as like the third key forward he's a great contested mark he can move up the ground really well be a link player he's just not good enough to be a number one he's just a terrible ruckman and i know i was very critical of your comparison with uh jackson but tim english the sort of player that he is could play a jackson role as Hmm. the second ruckman who plays quite a lot forward and he could be very good you just agreed with me then is what you've said no talking stylistically and the way in which you would uh set up your team i can see some comparison there but in terms of quality not at all at least quality in ruck work uh but they do not have a maxwell gone uh to be the foil to tim english and as a result their ruck work is a joke and it is legitimately costing them a premiership chance so what's amazing about it is look how easy it is for other clubs to find like serviceable ruckman about yeah. 15 ruckman get traded last year not one yeah. went to the bulldogs Pitternet was just so important to Carlton that when he went out, they got lost to the Gold Coast Suns. And he was free three years ago. The dogs could have had that. He's a big lump of a lad. He does not get smashed in the ruck contest, which is pretty much all that midfield needs. And yet they've still decided not to. And they've got a 40-year-old Steph Martin. Do you think do you think a serviceable ruck is enough to fix that problem? That they will have a, yeah. a ruck yeah. who competes and then... Yeah. They just need to stop getting destroyed in the ruck. If you if you can split, yeah, that's a yeah. massive difference for them. <laughs> and then get... is so bloody talented. And <laughs> yet, Tim English would be fine against backup ruckman. We saw that because he beat the Sydney backup ruckman. 
So he can do it against. Yeah, the, yeah, the yes, he can beat a backup ruck. Yes, that's fair. You said something quite offensive about Ruckman before we went on to this podcast. Yeah, I just don't think we're in a golden era of Ruckman anymore. We were for a little while. We've just had a few drop off. Max isn't at his best at the moment. Grundy's been subpar for a couple of years. Nick Nat is dropping off a little bit. Goldstein's obviously ancient and dropped off a little while ago. And we've had a few retirements in the last few years as well. I just think, and the people coming up through the ranks aren't quite the level as the sort of five years beforehand. I see where where you're coming from. And that it probably doesn't have the, the top end in which we had a few years ago mm. when it was very clearly Max, Nick Nat, Grundy were all extremely good, um, where all three of them seem to have dropped off a little bit and we're not quite at that level. But that's not to say that ruck work is still not incredibly important and valuable and doing some great That is not what I said. <laughs> Stop putting words in my mouth. I said the quality of the position has declined compared to about five years ago. I'd, and I I'd, say, the, I'd say the top-end talent has declined, but there's still some very good ruckmen across the league who are doing very good things. Like, well, Who are the mid-tier ruckmen? I don't think they're better or as good as to make up that gap. I th- Jared Witz is a gun. Jared Witz is fine, and he was fine five years ago. Uh, St. He's not fine. He's better than fine. He's a very good runner. Marshall is the one who I think has made us positive, like, difference to this conversation. Yeah, St. Well, have Marshall and Ryder were very better. good. Yeah, but Ryder was at All-Australian five years ago. He was clearly better five years ago. You can't just say that these players still play, therefore it's the same. No, the quality has dropped off. Sean Darcy doesn't do it well enough against the best. No, Sean sure Darcy's a good ruckman. He's good, but he's not great. He, he again, if you look at his performance against good ruckman as compared to backup ruckman, the Tim Englishes of the world, it is a staggering difference. Riley O'Brien. I was about to say Riley O. What a gun! He generates stats. He do, I don't think he particularly impacts the game in a tremendously positive way. His work craft is okay. It's not yeah. great. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. And his intercept yeah. marking's pretty good, but as soon as he intercept marks the ball, he has to kick the ball, which is a problem. So I just don't think the quality is there anymore. Again, Marshall is the big one, but he, again, is playing half a game forward. We've got a, a Pitonet or Pitonet. He's been quite good for Carlton and very important, as we noticed this week, in which they got absolutely pantsed out of the middle. That was because De Conning is a child. You can't say the 11th best Ruckman is a big indicator of how the overall talent is when he's the exact same as what he would have been five years ago. And the problem is the backup is terrible. Mate, we've got, just the problem is there is one team who have two of the greatest Ruckman of all time in there at the moment. So it's just it's just not spread out in the same way as it used to be. One thing I will say, though, is Tristan Cherry wasn't playing five years ago. And boy, is he good. Oh, it's, now, according to Sam Edmund, Banjo, he is the only thing... With, no, no, he's one of the only two yeah. things that you can get excited about. Jason Francis. Unbelievable. He, he was... He was asked the question on SEN of what is there to get excited about when you sit down and watch a North Melbourne game? And he said, well, look, there's Horn France, as most people would say. And then, look, aside from that, I mean, I quite like the competitiveness of Cherry, but, um, gee, I'm really scratching around to try to find anything else to get excited about. And I thought you'd really enjoy that. Oh, I, I nearly blew a gasket. That felt as specifically targeted to annoy me as my uh, Tim English with better PR comparison. I yeah, that's just ridiculous. I'm angry. We had a guy leading the Coleman at that point. Like, 
and the worst side in the league. Oh my god! Look, but anyway, know, did you see the uh, footage of Tristan Cherry on the halftime siren uh, last week? Uh, yes, you sent it to me. I did. Yes, <laughs> he's just walking around pushing and shoving people that aren't even looking at him for absolutely no reason. And all I can think about is when uh, Stampy gets released back into the elephant sanctuary <laughs> in The Simpsons and the zookeeper or whatever his name is going, um, he gets asked why he's doing that. Well, some animals have a trouble acclimatizing, but some elephants, like humans, are just jerks. Stop that, Mr. Simpson. <laughs> they, they, they do give us a good laugh every now and then, the Ruck, but I will give that to you. Someone else I did want to talk about in Ruck Watch is our boy Braden Proust in that... Oh, yes. He has made a substantial difference to uh, GWS since he came into the team. They finally found their mummy replacement. I mean, if we're talking about average ruckman in the competition, I mean, they got absolutely pantsed in the ruck by Nank and uh, Mm. Soldo against Richmond, and they got destroyed out of the middle. He's come back into the team, and all of a sudden their midfield group's looking really good. Did He's got himself suspended, hasn't he, or has he? He just threw a... Completely unnecessary. Oh, <laughs> it was an incredibly Proust thing to do. But uh, I, what the thing? I just want to reflect on Flynn getting destroyed by Soldo and Nankovis. When you look at Tim English get absolutely destroyed in the ruck, you completely understand why just by looking at him. He is mm. rail thin. Matt Flynn yep. is a giant of a man, and I cannot figure out. And he's good around the ground at everything else you'd want to ruck yeah. him He's a good contested mark and everything. Why can't he ruck? Good question. And I know for a fact that uh, him and uh, – uh, so Flynn and Briggs are mm. the two in the reserves at the moment for yeah. GWS, and they are absolutely taking the piss at the AFL level. Uh, but, yeah, for some reason he just hasn't – he doesn't seem to have the smarts or the ruck craft to deal with it at AFL level, at least not at this point. Yeah, um, and, you know, it doesn't take all that much smarts to be smart at being a ruckman, so I just don't uh, – he bemuses me. But look, the important thing when we're talking about Ruckman, and what I want us all to get out of this at the end of this discussion, Banjo, is that although we may not have the absolute out-and-out superstars, the important thing to keep in mind is that Ruck work is an incredibly important thing in the game. They're important for, obviously, the hit-outs, but also the body work around the ground. Uh, when it hits ground level, the way they block for their midfielders and create space for all of them, the way that they make their midfielders stand taller, how important they can be around the ground making a contest. And we've seen a number of examples. There's Proust, there's St Kilda with the two uh, rucks and how important they are when the two of them are in. Although I think as Ryder's got himself suspended as well. Yeah, he has. But they do do some dumb things. My boy will they? Wit's a massive influence. Proust's a massive influence. Ruckman are incredibly important to our game, Banjo, and it was important for us to have a segment talking about that. Agreed, agreed. And I never said that they weren't, so stop putting words in my mouth. <laughs> just so being negative on. about ruck work just upset me. <laughs> let's move on to the last segment. It's a grand return for Poochie's Mailbag. Mm. One of our favourite segments of all time, although we don't say it very often because he gets a very big head, but we've had some questions sent in from our man Pooch. And so I'm going to put them to you and you're going to give me some solid responses. I just, I always like jumping in here and just making it very clear to all of our millions of listeners, you are always welcome to send in questions for our mailbag segment. That's true. The point of our mailbag segment was for everyone to send in questions. However, it just turned out that our friend Poochie was the only one who ever did. So as a result, we titled it Poochie's Mailbag. It will continue to be called that. But questions are always welcome. And when we get a few in, if we do get a few in, uh, we'll throw to the segment on our weekly podcast. 
Now, I'm pretty sure I set us up an email address at one point, plebsonfootypodcast at gmail.com. Did so you? If you want to send us an email, that's, uh, yeah, I think we had to sign up for something. Yeah, well, you can message us on Facebook and all of that sort of stuff, and you can message Banjo on Twitter, I believe. Can they do yeah. that? Yeah, they, they can do that. Or whatever it is. Yeah, okay. Good God. <laughs> what are you, 80? Never had Twitter, anyway, Banjo. <laughs> with Damien Barrett's suggestion of private ownership for football clubs, how much will the plebs invest in the Tassie AFL team? Now, for all of our uh, long-term listeners, of which there are many, it'll be very important for you all to be aware that a big part of this segment is me criticising Pucci for some of his stupid questions. And this is a very stupid one because I don't see why we would be investing in any uh, football teams when we already have a 0.4% interest in an app that has no listeners being our hijack TV. We are, We are making it big. We do not need to invest. So... Uh, we're, we're, we're going to be doing big things, so we do not need to invest in that sort of stuff, Poochie. So ridiculous question. You have forgotten one key factor in all this. Mm. If there is a Tasmanian football team that is not the North Melbourne football team, then North Melbourne are still in North Melbourne. So I am putting my life savings into this venture because this to football club survival matters a lot to me because it means my football club survives. Okay. Don't you dare suggest that we don't have uh, more than one uh, finger in... No, I've mucked that up. Fingers Finger in many pies. Of pies banjo, I think is yeah, what you're getting at. Exactly. But we got so there eventually. You're kind of doing this from a charitable perspective, Banjo. You're not investing for the purposes of making money. You're putting the money in to try to save your football club. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the same as my membership, really. Well, good to see Good to see you cracking gags about North Melbourne uh, being relocated. It's, you're not normally the one who brings it to the table. So No, genuinely, I would be driven to terrorism if North Melbourne ever get relocated. You can make your own individual investment. I have enough money through Hijack TV. I don't have to worry about it. That's the exact <laughs> opposite approach of what you should take. If we've got shitloads of money from Hijack TV, we can afford to invest it. Uh, money's not an obstacle. I'm not really worried about money anymore. I'm just happy. I'm just going to live my life, just watch football and just be happy. Unbelievable. <laughs> Absolute nonsense. How does the AFL stop clubs exploiting the sub rule is the next question. Ah. And this is a big topic between us just generally. We've had a lot of conversations about this. G- good one, Mr. Good one, Mr. Pooch Man. That's uh, I'm happier with that one. You've leveled yourself up after your, your poor first question because this is a topic I did want to discuss a fair bit because this has been grinding my gears over the last few weeks, Banjo. In that, has the entire like it's only been probably in the last few days that anyone has mentioned the fact that people are loopholing this this many sub mm. rule, and there still hasn't been much talk about it. I mean, how, why are we letting teams get away with this? The rule was brought out under this clear premise that you are only allowed to sub players off if you believe on reasonable medical evidence that they are going to be unable to play the next week. It, it shouldn't have been up today. It should have just been hard and fast. You can't play the next week. Well, it shouldn't have been about expectations. There are a number of ways in which we could simplify that rule, which I would be quite happy with, that being one of them. And if that all happened, yes, that, that would be the best thing. But if you are going to put this rule in place, I remember when it first came in, I was like, if Melbourne like subbed off a player, I'd be like, oh, no, that must be really serious because mm. I'll probably be unable to play the next week. I thought that was the idea that from a basis that if you sub them off, they are unable to play the next week unless you can prove that it was pretty much a legitimate, they're probably going to miss 12 days, but then they surprised you and they got, got up to play. But, God, we're seeing it every week now, people just – 
subbing off players because they're a little bit sore. They've got some tightness. We thought the uh, Ollie Wines one was a bit ridiculous with uh, some... Yeah, that was the one that really got you up and about and <laughs> uh, in the group chat. And it uh, turns out he's genuinely quite ill. <laughs> yes, but, but the point stands that I still believe that... Because no one really mentioned it at the time in the commentary. I think teams probably could sub off a player because they're feeling a bit ill on the day and play the next week under no thoughts that they would miss the next week. It's completely against the point of the rule. And I just, I don't know why there isn't a bigger uproar about this. I've heard a little bit of chat here and there. I have not heard enough. Like they are clearly loopholing this rule quite extremely. Yeah. We could almost play a game of do you believe in these injuries? Um, Yeah. I 100% agree with you. I don't think it's, it's too... Grey. Like, the AFL does this all the time with just rules in general, but they should just make it hard and fast and easy for people to understand. So there is no grey area. It's black and white. And we can just not have to worry about it. But you know what? They love the conversation about it, so it'll never change. Well, it's it's basically do one of two things. Either you determine that it's just a sub. It's not a mini sub. It's just a sub. Yeah. And you know that I was in the extreme minority and that I quite like the sub, so I'd be quite happy with that. However, um, if that if you don't want to do it that way, you don't want to have a full sub, then you make the rule, if they're subbed off, they are not playing the next week. And then, yeah, there will be situations which is unfortunate that they've got a, a, a player and they'll have less rotations or whatever, but that, that that's how it is. That if they will be unable to, if they have a player, if they, and then that'll make them less likely to, you know, pull players out of the game and sub them off. Um because they have those sorts of concerns around it. It's got to be one of those two black or white yeah. sort of extremes. You can't have this grey area. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I think we're in furious agreement on this one. So let's move on to the final question. Mm-hmm. This one's specifically for you, Scott. You made a big proclamation at the start of the year about the perfect bet, free money, you called it. But it's not going so well. So I've got a question for you. Do you still think Ben Brown can win the Coleman? Yes. He's missed two games already for COVID. One was a semi-dropping, if we're honest. And then he's just got himself suspended for two more weeks. It was not a semi-dropping. Get stuck. He was available and he played in the twos. He came out of ISO the morning of. The players had all gone up to Adelaide anyway. That was not a semi-dropping. On form, there was no way he wouldn't get picked. How many goals has he kicked? He's definitely in with a chance, Banjo. He's kicked five goals for the year. Yeah, so he's only eight behind. It's not as if he's a mile behind. He's playing he's in the be best a lot team. More behind by the time he comes back. Mate, he's he's playing in the best team in the comp. He's going to get plenty of delivery. He looks sharp as all hell. His hands are sticky. He's set shot kicking is as good as it's ever been. He's going to kick a lot of goals this year. He's, he's missed a couple. He's missed three games, Ben. So that doesn't rule him out of the Coleman. It, it was three money, games. and it still is. It'll be four games. Missed two already, and he's got two more to miss. He got suspended for two weeks. No, he's two down to one. Oh, was it? I only saw two weeks from from Cal Toomey. No, he's been offered one with an early plea, I believe, Mm. which I suspect he will probably take because that – was that the most out-of-character thing you've ever seen? What's he doing? I did not know the man even knew what the word violent mean meant. Exactly. He was and, the guy. <laughs> and it was like it's not he was also playing, yeah, as we say, a VFL game, which was to keep his match fitness up because Yeah, and he, he, was, he belongs he in the Melbourne team. At all. He was just off to the side. Yeah. I 
first time I watched it, couldn't see him because he wasn't around the ball. Yeah. And then it turns out he was just in front of it and punched a dude. Yeah, it's out of character at any point, but particularly mm. during a VFL game, which he's only playing for match fitness purposes. Yeah. Really weird. Start. I would like. I would be interested to know what was going through his head. Yeah, now that he's uh, sort of gone against team culture, does he have to work his way back into the side, do you reckon? Nah, nah, he's in. He's in without any question. But uh, look, Sam Wiedemann would be pretty happy about it. Maybe he yeah, tried to fire him up at like three-quarter time or something yeah. like that to try to make him angry. So he went out and whacked someone. I don't know, but uh, Wiedemann would be pretty happy because I, I think he... I would probably drop Tom McDonald myself, but I think they would drop Wiedemann. Yeah, don't change a premiership winning forward line, I don't think. But yeah. anyway, I'm going to call that it. We're going to wrap up here. Thanks for listening to the Plebs on Footy podcast. We'll be back next week. Yeah, no one's going away on a conference. And uh, we'll be on Hijack TV at some point this weekend, and we'll keep you updated. We probably yeah, should we'll have let you know that when we're doing that, but uh, we haven't discussed that yet. No. So stay tuned. Also, there'll be a photo soon. Yes. Of your tattoo. Yes, that's true. <laughs>